KCAR 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson covers the Twin City sports scene nonstop. Luke Inman is ready to put him on the hot seat. That's camera. what you gotta do to me. Instant analysis. Yanked. Out you go. Post-game breakdowns and red hot takes. The Timberwolves need a stitch. Reggie and Luke give you a daily dose of Minnesota sports with superior sports talk. Part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. Care 11's very own Reggie Wilson with me, so life is good. Happy Monday, Reg. How was your weekend? Happy Monday, man. The weekend was great. I spent it in uh, Ohio, back in Ohio for one of the last times. Just uh, Man, how many frequent the... flyer miles do you look, have, Reggie? Jeez. Look, man, it's a lot. It's a lot. But, you know, I'm blessed. You know? We got a big show lined up. So much to break down from this weekend, including who splashed at Vikings training camp practice. Plus, we're down to crunch time for the Twins with the MLB uh -huh. trade deadline just 36 hours away and counting. Remember to follow along on the Locked On Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button and on Twitter, smash that follow button at Locked On. M-I-N. To football we go. 43 days until week one of the NFL season kicks off. And that means we're a handful of practices into Vikings training camp. Saturday was the first time the fans were able to come watch as the team practiced in front of the TCO crowd with no pads. Today practice resumes with the first padded practice, which is huge. To finally get a look at the trenches, guys on the offense and defensive line, and be able to get a better idea of who's coming along and developing nicely. Reggie, let's jump right in. You know, Justin Jefferson looked good. He looked like Justin Jefferson. Nothing new there. Explosive, smooth, quick, huge catch radius for a QB to throw into. K.J. Osborne, I don't know if you saw this. He had a great long TD splitting the safeties. A lot of three safety looks. Coaches quickly finding ways to get seen. Bynum, Harry, all on the field together. You love to see it. Harrison Smith, by the way, still looks like he's got the it. Still looks every bit the part of the guy we're used to seeing despite getting a little long in the tooth. Cam Dantzler also impressed me quite a bit. He doesn't look mm. the 160 pounds soaking wet anymore. He looks like he's added some much needed size and girth to the frame and was out there getting physical, making some nice plays on the ball. And to wrap it all up, you had Zadarius Smith and Patrick Peterson end in practice with the skull chant with the fans. You love to see it. Again, first full padded practice today. Remember, we said it Thursday, KOC decided to roll with just 11 of the 16 days in full pads, but mm -hmm. when they go, they go full speed. So I expect a big day from an energy standpoint, and for the coaches, a huge opportunity to evaluate their guys once we hear these pads pop today. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is um, one of the, the things from the weekend was uh, Andrew Booth Jr. did not uh, practice on Saturday, the first time in front of the fans and maybe that was just you know precautionary you know give him some time to get himself together and then maybe you know throw him out there today when you know the pads are going on and and now we're going live for real uh and some you know simulated type game action uh maybe you know just kind of preserving him a little bit with him coming off of that that hernia issue but i'm interested to see what they look like when they put on pads you know it's, it's so much to glean from a team when they're just doing seven on sevens like you just don't you know i, I feel like the intensity it's up but it's not as up as it could be and i know having fans there at tco this weekend was was probably a little bit more of a jolt 
You mentioned Zadarius Smith. I saw Dalvin Cook also uh, leading the skull chants with the fans. They feed off of them. But it's going to be for real today. Got those pads going on. Strap them up, as uh, Steve Smith will say. Ice up, son. And uh, it's time to get going. Um, I know uh, over the weekend, Cam Bynum, uh, you mentioned that three safety look. I'm sure they're just trying to figure out, hey, can this work? Is this a thing? And I know he he had some good plays and he had some not so good plays over the weekend. And so, you know, I think they're still trying to figure this thing out and still tinker with things just a, a weekend to, to camp. Going to learn a lot about this team this week as well, um, especially as you kind of ramp things up and add the pass to everything. And so I'm interested to see how this team does and how this offense continues to gel as well. Um, now that you put the pads on and it's kind of like a game again. Yeah, it, it's early. Who's kidding who? But those three safety looks, it looked like they had mm -hmm. Harry and Bynum as your, you know, your two deep shell center fielders. And then they had Lewis seen in the box, almost as like a hybrid the enforcer. safety linebacker. Yeah, you love to see it. Vikes 40 to 1 to win it all this year. Great value from what I'm seeing. Better go to betonline.net to get all the news, stats, and info for all your betting needs. That's betonline.net. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. So, we've seen Kirk in action now a few days, making some splash plays, picking up this new system nicely, digesting the playbook, if you will. Let me ask the golden question, though. The elephant in the room. How do we feel about Kirk Cousins on this team with mm -hmm. this coaching staff? From what we've gleaned so far, again, it's early. And what we know from Kirk's past, is there going to be a huge transition here? Or 10 years into the league, do we kind of know what to expect from Kirk? I think we largely know what to expect. But mm -hmm. it's interesting. I, I keep mentioning it. But when I talked to Kevin O'Connell earlier this offseason, he mentioned that Kirk had another level that he could go to, and he wants to challenge Kirk to get to that next level. Last week, he talked about how he wanted Kirk to have a little bit more autonomy over some of the play calling. You know, if he didn't like it, he wanted a little pushback. Like, hey, this, this is what I think. And I think, you know, last year, Zimmer talked about how he wanted Kirk to be a little, more, a little bit more aggressive. And then Kirk pushed back. And so I think it's going to be all on Kirk's willingness to buy in to what this team is wanting him to do. Kirk is a guy that's going to get you, you know, close to 4,000, if not over 4,000 yards, uh, 28 to 30 plus touchdowns, keep it low on the interception numbers. But it's because he's not a guy that likes to take a whole lot of risks. You know, you, you kind of compare him to a Matthew Stafford, like we talked about on Friday at the round table. And he's not that guy. Like Matthew Stafford has a little bit more of a gunslinger quality to him. If he makes a mistake, you know, if, if he throws three interceptions in the game, he's still going to be out there slinging it around to try to win the game. And I'm not sure if Kirk, you know, I, I don't if if Kirk had a three interception game, I don't. He might just like shrink into the size of plankton. I'm not really sure <laughs> what's going to happen if he does something like that, but. If he is able to kind of channel a little bit more and be a little bit more aggressive this season and really just kind of push it a little bit more, I really do 
like to see where the Vikings land with him kind of being that guy. I, like mm-hmm. I said, not a gunslinger mm-hmm. like Matthew Stafford, but if he kind of just pushes it a little bit more, pushes the envelope a little bit more and buys in more to what Kevin O'Connell is selling, I could see him excelling in this offense because he has the right pieces, the right talent surrounding him to really run it up in this offense. Yeah, you're right, man. Just to touch back on it, I think so much of the conversation right from the get-go when KOC got hired gets veered towards can KOC do with Kirk what he did with Matt Stafford in L.A.? And I'll say it again, I don't think he can because just like you mentioned – Cousins doesn't offer those same intangibles that Stafford does, like the rocket arm that you said. And his ability, Stafford's not known to be, uh, you know, Lamar or Kyler Murray, but his ability to create plays when protection breaks down, especially you saw it during the last few weeks of the season and the playoff run and even the Super Bowl. Kirk's never been Mm -hmm. able to do that. He's never been able to make things happen with his feet. And you're setting yourself up for disappointment if you think he's going to just start now, 10 years into his career all of a sudden. KLC is going to have to do even more for Kirk than what he did in L.A., and that's a huge challenge this first-time head coach has on its plate. I don't think just bringing in a new offensive scheme is the, like, solution turning cousins into the you know Matt Stafford light if you will but I think fans mm-hmm. need to scrap that idea notion because your quarterback just doesn't have the same tools and skill set as the guy you want him to be now saying what you said about okay you can still elevate Kirk Cousins just in the confines just in the restrictions of what Kirk Cousins can do don't try to go exactly make him something he's not by the way interesting battle going on behind Cousins right now for the backup spot with Kellen Mann and Sean Mannion both splitting reps few days into practice hmm. rotating with the twos and threes thus far keeping close watch on how all that plays out quietly behind the scenes moving on when this offense gets brought up the first thing you think of is the passing game right Cousins and his weapons JJ Thielen, K.J. Osborne, Irv. But how quickly we forget, you still got Dalvin Cook on this team. Come on now. Mm -hmm. Where does Dalvin Cook rank amongst players that are most valuable to the Vikings this season, in your opinion? He's top five, for sure. He's got to be close. If he's not in the five, he's got to be close. It would be tough to, you know, at first I thought maybe top three, but it would be tough to not do a top three and not include a defensive player. Um, and there, especially a guy like Daniil Hunter, because if he's not the guy that they need him to be, or if he's not available, or Zadarius is not available, you know, pick your poison with those two guys. I think this team overall is in a world of hurt because now you're looking at, you know, not being able to generate the pass rush as much as you thought that you would, or, or as much as you would like to. And now you're putting more on the offense to do even more, score 30, 40 points a game to try to win it and that's just a little too much I think I think that's just a little too much it's hard to say until you know how and how often KOC is going to use Dalvin and not just well what's the pass run balance going to look like but how hard are they going to try and get Dalvin the ball in the passing game are they going to split them out wide with the old regime It was just like, we're just going to line up and run the ball 25, 30 times a game, no matter what. They know it. We know it. You can put eight men in the box. You can put even nine men. Don't matter. That won't be the case this time around. And as we've seen in the NFL, this new school offense doesn't rely on running to set up the pass like it used to. So seeing Mm -hmm. Dalvin see his touches drop from, let's say, 25 to 15 a game 
isn't going to shock me, but how those 15 touches are dispersed and how they maximize his touches is going to kind of be the catalyst to his production and efficiency in this offense. And if they play it right, those 15 touches could be more effective than what we saw under Zimmer's offense. Bottom yeah. line, when it comes to his value, I think I look at how far the drop-off is from him to the guys behind him. And we know what Madison and now Kenny Nwangu can offer. You try to glean what the Rams rushed the ball last year, what, 23rd in attempts, 25th in yards, 28th in rushing TDs. It's hard to say Dalvin offers the same value to this offense like he did under the old regime. It's still Dalvin, though. Still electric anytime he touches the ball. Use him the yeah. right way is the point I'm making. He's still a top five running back in the NFL. Top of my head, yeah, like you mentioned. You gotta, outside, of, yeah. outside of Cousins, I guess you've got, what, J.J., Hunter and Zadarius on any given week, as you mentioned, went healthy. Kendricks, maybe Brian O'Neill. I'll put Dalvin just outside the top five in that six to eight category with guys like Thielen and Harrison Smith. Still vital core pieces of this unit. Just depends on how they're going to balance out this pass run often. I think yeah, I think ahead. I will put them in, in the top five, though. I, I think Kirk is obviously number one. Then you look mm -hmm. at a guy like JJ. Then you look at a guy like Daniil Hunter. Uh, maybe you put a, a offensive lineman on there, you know, pick your poison, whether you want to do left tackle, right guard or something like that. Cause I think you're good with O'Neal just being like, you're like, okay, yeah, you're good there. Um, but then I put, I think you put Dalvin in there right, right there. Um, right there. And if he's not four, then he's right there at five, just because like, I understand, you know, these teams, especially in this new age NFL and these offenses, these teams are getting away from running, you know, 30 plus times a game or whatever you want to call it. But I think now you still need a good balanced enough offense to have the run kind of like supplement or complement the pass, if you will. And so now, you know, like you said, if it's 15 to 20, like you still need those 15 to 20 to be as best as possible. And with having a top five running back in the league, like he's going to get you that. And I think, you know, I think the world of Alexander Madison and his skills, but I think there is a significant drop off when you go from Cook to Madison. And Madison filled in extremely well for Cook in his absences last season. But I do think that it's just different. It's just different, man. Like, Look at the game against the Steelers last year as no more evidence that he's just different. He's a one-of-one one type of guy. If it comes down to just raw talent, I think I put him in the mm -hmm. top three. Maybe make a case for even top two. As far yeah. as just value for this team, I think it just remains to be seen again. Because when I, I, I just get a little scared off when I look at the Rams rushing attack last year. 23rd, 25th, 28th ranked. And, uh, and they also the didn't have a Dalvin, though. They, That's they true. didn't have so a doubt. Cam Akers, I think they were they were hoping that they were going to ride him, but he tore his Achilles and, you know, he came back for the playoffs. But it was kind of right. just like this hodgepodge of guys that they were just rolling out there and just hoping that they could give them some type of production so that they didn't have to pass on all three downs every series. Trust me, Sean McVay would have if he had to. <laughs> but I think you're right. It comes down to, okay, we know Dalvin 
has got the goods compared to that Rams rushing attack and the talent they were used to playing with and calling plays for. So how do they utilize and maximize his talent as a coaching staff? That's always the big question everything rolls back to. What's this new coaching staff going to look like and how are they going to maximize this talent and this roster compared to the old regime? Training camp resumes today. Again, we finally hear the pads pop. Tell us what you think. Get some healthy debate going. Go comment on the YouTube channel. Let us know what you think. 44 days until week one of the NFL season. Rest assured, Reggie and I got you covered every step of the way, every day on Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. All right, the time has come. My favorite segment's here. I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat with what does it mean covering all the latest hot topics in Minnesota sports. First up, Jared Allen was officially announced to be inducted in the Vikings Ring of Honor this weekend. What does it mean when it comes to the greatest players to ever wear a Viking uniform that didn't start their career in Minnesota. I know you haven't been here, you know, since growing up like a kid, big Viking fan, diehard or anything like that. But is there another player or two that you can remember the Vikings never drafted, but ended up having a great career with the Vikings? Hmm. A guy that the Vikings didn't draft. I'll start. I'm going to buy you some time. Go ahead. Start. Go ahead. Mike yeah. Tice was here. And boy, up and down years with Mike Tice. A lot of fun going into Lambeau, knocking him off in Lambeau during Wild Card Weekend. You get the Moss Moon in Lambeau. I love it. But one of the greatest things Mike Tice ever did was he went out and signed a cornerback, tiny, feisty, but hungry, from Buffalo named Antoine Winfield. Ooh, Antoine Winfield good. was the man, man. Antoine Winfield was for a cornerback. Usually cornerbacks aren't like a centerpiece in the defense unless you got a Jalen Ramsey or a lockdown guy, Darrell Revis. But Antoine Winfield was that guy for the Vikings for six, seven years, even up into the Favre era as well. Uh, Antoine Winfield was one of my favorite Viking players that I got to watch growing up, all thanks to Mike Tice. I'll fling out one other one. He wasn't here for that long. But Randall Cunningham in the 1998 Dang, that was going to be mine. Coming out of Philly. He Randall was Cunningham out of football. a show, man. Yeah, he was completely yeah. out. And the Vikings yeah. sign him, and the rest is history. 15-1. and one. Brad Johnson starts out week one. He gets hurt. Randall Cunningham takes over 15-1. and one. Vikings, mm -hmm. obviously, in that magical 98 season. Randall Cunningham was a good one as well. One more I'll fling out. I'll help you out. Steve Hutchinson. I know it's boring. Oh, That's absolutely. Hard. Come on. Absolutely. But man, that guy in oh, absolutely. the Hall of Fame. He's all, yeah. from Seattle. Yeah. And he was just, again, during those Adrian Peterson rushing years, he was just a cornerstone. And having a guy like that, that you can just depend on, reminds me of almost like a Quentin Nelson nowadays, what he does for the Colts. Mm. Steve Hutchinson, man, I know it's a boring, not so very good. sexy or fun. No highlights, right? But he was just a so machine, good. an absolute wall. Steve Hutchinson was a great one as well. He was just amazing man like and and most people don't even remember him as a seahawk that much like right he's in the hall of fame and and people mostly remember him as uh, a viking and uh it's so funny because i just met steve hutchinson uh at the combine earlier this year and he met the new head coach kevin o'connell as well and they shared a cool moment uh, together, just kind of like, wow, like the old meets the new, and that was kind of cool. But going back to Randall Cunningham, like the dude had one first-team All-Pro season, and that was in 98. Like that was ridiculous how, how that worked out. He hadn't played football in two years. He hadn't been to the Pro Bowl since 1990, and then That's he goes wild, in that man. 98 season in the Pro Bowl. Like, the dude was ridiculous that year. I don't know what got into my man, but, like, 
he had it cooking there. And then going back to Jared Allen, like the dude was a dude. He was a he was a Kansas City Chief before he came over to uh, Minnesota, and he was solid for the Chiefs. Like he was good, but he turned into an absolute animal in Minnesota. Like watching some of his highlights, just wreaking havoc. Uh, Zadarius Smith talked about how he just had like one of the best bull rushes that we've ever mm. seen. Like the fact that. He's been out of football for more than five years and he's not in the Hall of Fame yet, I think is ridiculous. Because and usually, usually when you get over that 100 sack mark, like that's pretty much like your ding, ding, ding. He's a Hall what, of Famer. Digits? 136 okay, yep. career sacks. And my right man now. is not in the Hall. I mean, it's coming, but like right. he should have been, if not first ballot, he should have been on that next year. And so I think it's really cool that the Vikings are putting him uh, in their ring of honor because he deserves all of his flowers. Like the dude was just not, not to mention just how fun of a player he was. He made the mullet cool. Like <laughs> he was out here just killing it. Like, like he made people want mullets that play football. It was just like, and that was very much like a Minnesota thing, right? You know, we, we always see like all those hockey players with the cool hair and all that stuff. He came out here. He was like, look, I play football and I'm wearing this mullet. What's up? And, and I'm sacking your quarterback. What's up? What's up? What's and up? I think yeah. he was, he was the dude for me that was like super exciting. If you didn't know anybody on those defenses with the Vikings during that time, you knew him, you knew Antoine Winfield, as you said. And those mm -hmm. two were just kind of like on the front end and the back end. Like they were the guys that were killing it back then. What he brought to that fan base during those couple of years uh, was just absolutely incredible. And yeah, uh, great man. field issues. We didn't know what we were going to get. Kind of a risky trade. You're trading a first rounder and a third rounder for this guy. All right. But oh my gosh, I think they would have done that trade 100 out of 100 times had they been absolutely. able to go back and look at and reevaluate that thing for sure. And you can't bring up this list. And I know we talked about Randall Cunningham and not talk about Brett Favre because here's the thing. Some people have him number one on this list. But some people say, you know, devil's advocate, he only played two seasons and he only really had one magical season. But how magical that one season was in 09 was absolutely Yeah, if you're going to say so, Randall Cunningham, you can say you have to as well. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to. Absolutely. Yeah, kind of fun to go down that list. Next one up, the Arizona Cardinals placed a mandatory four-hour studying clause in Kyle Murray's new deal, <laughs> only to later remove it after the backlash and stir it caused shortly after. What does it mean when it comes to the worst blunder or decision or quotes, whatever, et cetera, you saw over the weekend in the world of sports? Yeah, that was up there. It was just like, well, okay, if so you weird. if you were brazen enough to put it in his contract, which, by the way, like, how did his agent allow that? Like, that was like the, sti the sticking point. Like, hey, we're going to give him this money, <laughs> but we got to put this clause in there because he plays too many too much video Call games. Of Duties. Yeah, I, I, yeah. We we he, we need someone who is focused on football twenty four seven because we want to win championships. So we're putting this clause in here, and everybody's like, "Y'all did what? A studying clause, a independent study clause? Not you want?" And and Kyler and Kyler came out and brushed brushed back with that immediately he was just like man to play this position that i play like i have to study i have to spend a lot of time you know 
doing film and and really researching what I do because in order to play quarterback at a high level, as he has done since he's been in the NFL, you can't slack. You can't slouch. Like, I know sometimes it looks like he's out there playing backyard football or whatever, which is kind of like, you know, those are kind of like some forbidden words at this point, you know, especially after uh, what Pat Mahomes said uh, leading into the weekend about how black quarterbacks are judged as opposed to, you know, their counterparts. And I think, you know, we won't go there, but I do think that there's something to be said. Like, you know, I, I don't know if, if there's any other type of quarterbacks that they put some type of clause in there for. And, and, you know, it's not, it probably is not rooted in race, if you will, but like just the fact that he is a black quarterback and you guys are setting these precedents with, you know, putting this, you know, Aaron Rodgers getting 50 mil and, you know, Tom Brady getting all the, all the money and, you know, all that. And I, I understand these dudes are in an upper echelon, Drew Brees and, you know, all these guys that have gotten paid. Kirk Cousins, they didn't put that in Kirk Cousins' contract. They didn't say, hey, Kirk, during the offseason, we need you to fly around the country and throw passes to your wide receivers in the offseason. Not enough time with family, okay? You got to – football is family. We need you to – get down to Florida and play catch with Justin Jefferson. Like they're not putting those type of clauses in his contract. So like, why are you putting these clauses in Kyler's contract? If you believe in him, if you think that he is the future of your franchise, then give him the money and let him do what he does. But like the whole like independent study clause, like that is, that's just trash. And they knew it was trash, which is why they ripped it up after it, it saw the light of day. I think maybe it probably was a, a thing maybe the agent negotiated. I don't know this for sure, but, you know, conspiracy mm -hmm. theorists would think that maybe the agent didn't like it and that was something that maybe he leaked, uh, you know, to try to get the outcome that they got, which is to get it removed. Like, how many times have you seen something like that where you have an addendum in your contract and then they say, oh, oh, never mind, never mind. We're going we're gonna to rip that one up. We're good. We're good. Actually, we don't we don't want that. It's fine. Like, I think it's something to that. I, I can't verify, obviously, but like I think it might be something to that. That all of a sudden it just gets yeah. yeah, it gets leaked and now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden we don't want that's it's okay. We, yeah, not, how did not that not get in there? Yeah, not a huge vote of confidence for sure. Did anybody else think it was weird that it was only four hours? Like, I have this stigma and vision in my head of, like, every quarterback's <laughs> a Peyton Manning and it, it yeah. is putting in an extra 40 hours a week just sitting there all night grinding the film, watching the All-22. Four hours? What is that? Four hours? <laughs> like, you, you chop that up into, you know, a five-day work week, and you're talking, what, like 45 minutes a day? Like, what, what that's it? I thought that yeah. was ridiculous as well. But well said there, Reggie. Well said. Yeah, I don't think we're going to top that one as far as any blunders or bad decisions goes. That's a wrap today. Back here tomorrow, breaking down more Twins, Vikes, plenty more. Remember to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Reggie Wilson. Follow him on Twitter at ReggieWilsonTV and on Care 11. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to our producer, Matt DeBritz. Tune in tomorrow for Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. Be blessed. Spread love today.
Nicholson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.